to worship Jesus with us today. We're in a series, uh, can anybody tell me what book of the Bible that we're, we've been in for, for a while? Acts, this side, y'all, y'all have got the participation, this side, a lot of troublemakers. Um, <clears throat> before we get into the sermon today, a couple things to let you know about. Wednesday nights, we go deeper into the book of Acts than what we can get into uh, here on a Sunday morning. So if you want to be a part of that, you can do that. We also got stuff for the kids and for the teenagers in your life. You can lovingly put them in the hands of people that will show them Jesus and love them for an hour, and you can come and chill out uh, with us. Also, uh, we have intercessory prayer at 530 for those of you that, that want to do intercessory prayer. I want to let you know about something cool coming up. In a, in a few weeks, we're going to be starting a new series called In God We Trust. Say, In God We Trust. And we're going to be talking about finances and money and what God has to do with all that. But one of the things I want to just give you all the inside scoop on is that we have a, a pretty cool opportunity for those of you. Anybody have enough money? <laughs> one person. <laughs> one. <laughs> we've got, a, we've got a, a, a Financial Peace University that's going to be starting here in September. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, if you're not familiar with what that is, you can look it up online. But it's about freedom from feeling like there's never enough. And, and it's transformed several people's lives here in our church. And so we're, that's going to be available starting Sunday, September 17th. We're going to do that in the afternoons. And Charlie and Amy Carrick are, are teaching that. And if you want to sign up for it, all you got to do is go to our app on the sign-ups link, and you can sign up for it right there. Uh, if you're familiar with FPU, you know there's a financial cost involved with it. We have scholarships available for that, so it's very easy to apply and to ask for help for that. We specifically launched it uh, with scholarships this year. So um, you just have to sign up on the app, or you can pull out your phone and, and do the cool QR code thing right there. It, somebody said to me the other day, what are those pictures and stuff? And I'm like, well, they've been around 10 years, but what they are are their QR codes, and you literally pull out your camera and uh, you zoom in on it, and it'll say, open that up, and you just open it up into a web page, and you can sign up really easy right there. I see some of y'all taking advantage of the QR code. Leave it up there, count to 30 or something. There's people doing it. Okay, so we are in the book of Acts. This week is Acts 27. Next week is Acts 28. And then we will be complete with the book of Acts, and we will have no more sermon series on the book of Acts. Yes, thank you. Now, next week I'm going to announce this is the last week of the series, and I expect everyone to grovel with lament because I find all of these so much fun to preach. I have loved being in the book of Acts and looking in the book of Acts specifically at how the church of Jesus lives out the mission of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And as we look over this, there, there is a statement that we say each week. I want you to read this statement with me. The Holy Spirit is doing something in you that will live beyond you. Do you believe that? Yes, good. Now replace the word you with the word us. Ready? The Holy Spirit is doing something in us that will live beyond us. Church of Jesus Christ, do you believe that? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in you? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We're going to take another break. I need everybody to get the espresso just directly into your veins, okay? Do you believe, Church of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is doing something in you? Yes. 
and it's going to live beyond you. Everybody plays a role in the story of the church of Jesus. Remember the promise in that first chapter, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, Acts 27, let me give you just a, a bird's eye view of this whole story. It's a fantastic shipwreck sea journey story. The Apostle Paul has appealed to Caesar. He is under, uh, he's in custody with the Romans. And they have decided, okay, you said you're going to Caesar, to Caesar you'll go. So they are shipping him from Caesarea, which is down in the Mediterranean Sea, right outside of Jerusalem, not, not that far from Jerusalem. And they are sending him by boat to Rome. It's a long journey. It's probably about, with no bad weather, it's probably, we'll say two weeks journey. If you don't stop back in that day. And Paul is under guard. If you go into this chapter and you get in, you just start ripping out the guts in this chapter. Paul is being guarded the entire time by a centurion. It's his escort. This, this is a big deal. Because he is considered to be a political prisoner, a Roman citizen who's a prisoner. He is being guarded by a centurion, not because he is at risk of, of like running away or he is at risk of trying to escape. He's under guard because people in the empire are trying to kill him. And a centurion is over lots and lots of soldiers. And this centurion is there for his protection. He's more of an escort than he is... A guard, if you will, trying to keep somebody in a cell. And they continue this mad dash for Rome. And everybody on the ships have jobs to do. And while they are on this mad dash to Rome, you know what happens? A big old storm comes up. And in the middle of the big old storm, the Bible says everybody lost hope. They're throwing everything over the bow of the ship, over the side of the ship. They're trying to stay alive. They throw everything away and the ship begins breaking apart. And at this point, Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes a speech. And, and earlier in the chapter, Paul actually told the people in charge, hey, you know what, I've, I'm telling you, if we keep going, we're going we're gonna to perish. And the people in charge said, thank you very much, we'll make the decisions. And they made the decisions. Now they're in the middle, the ship is breaking up, and Paul makes his speech to the over 275 people on board. And you know what Paul says? The same thing your mama said when something happened that she said was going to happen. I told you so. Nobody likes the I told you so person. The person that gets up and goes, I told y'all. I mean, we, we want that person to have like Netflix that never stops buffering, or, or worse, like plays for a minute and then buffers for another four minutes, you know. But 44 total verses in this story of a sea storm. They are two weeks trapped in a sea storm in the Mediterranean. And they're shipwrecked. But the very last verse of the chapter says this. Everyone made it to shore safely. Every person, over 275 people, made it to shore safely. Safely. Now, they didn't make it to their destination, but they made it to dry land safely. Paul and 275 other people are having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. 
past 11 days, actually. Really quick, raise your hand if you've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day in the past two weeks. Anybody? Keep them up. Past two years. Past three, four years. You, you can identify with the Apostle Paul. And as your pastor, I want you to know you're not alone in having terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. I want, yes, I want to remind you Jesus is with you. My job as a pastor is to always point you to Jesus. But I also want to encourage some of you who are just in the middle of the storm right now. And I thought this little TikTok video might help encourage you. Watch these people in their bad days. That's paid. Stick your head in there. There you go. This is why women have longer lifespans than men. That stuff right there. So you had a bad day. You're, you're welcome, by the way. Some of y'all needed to laugh. We need hope. We need to laugh, and especially on bad days. We need to be reminded that the bad day is not my entire life. What's going through, what's happening right now in the bad day, in the storm, in the shipwreck, this is not the extent of my life. This is not all there is. There's so much more. Paul and 275 people are in a place where they are having a horrible day. It reminds me of the, the, the old movie, The Perfect Storm. You remember this movie, The Perfect Storm? Some of y'all don't because it's before you were born. Some of y'all were like, old movie, that came out last week. No, 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 that movie's old. That movie's decades old, believe it or not. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. Everybody dies. Everybody dies in the movie. And this is how they're feeling out on the Mediterranean. They are losing hope. Listen to these verses, verse 20 and 21. It had been many days since we had seen either sun or stars. Sounds like the month of February (laughs) or late January. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully. We have had these epic, crazy wind, thunderstorms, deluge of rains happening around here this summer, right? We can't have a normal rainstorm anymore. It's just like crazy downpour, thunder, and crazy wind. Can anybody relate? Okay, just making sure you're you're with me. Because I'm talking, and y'all just kind of like, I need need a little bit more from you. Unmercifully, if you've gotten caught out in one of these summer storms that we've had lately, you know the feeling of unmerciful storms. We lost all hope of rescue. Say all hope. Have you ever been at a place where you've lost all hope? 
with our appetite for both food and life long gone. Paul took his place in our midst and said, Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have avoided all this trouble and trial. Gee, thanks, Paul. You know, when I've lost hope and I don't want to eat anymore or be alive, what I really need somebody to say is, I told you, bravo, Paul, way to show that empathy. You are doing awesome. These people, you know, these I told you so people. But look at, look at the words in red. Look at the words in red. If you'll bring that verse back, back up. Look at the words in red. We lost all hope of rescue with our appetite for both food and life long gone. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at a place where you've lost all hope, where everything within you, you just don't see a way out? You know what storms do? You know what really bad, really bad days do? You know what depression and criticism does? You know what uh, getting, getting laid off from that job does? You know what health issues do? You know what money problems and strained relationships and discouragements do? You know what these things do? Yeah, they stink and they're terrible. But they also show you what's inside of you. They reveal your faith. See, when you get squeezed, stuff comes out. Just desecrated the temple. It's water. It's okay. But when you get squeezed, something comes out. When the storms rage and when the waves are battering and when you have lost hope and the depression sets in and the tears just keep coming, what's inside of you just bursts out. Jesus said this. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we say, what's inside, comes out. And the sound guy is just happy I didn't do it over this junction box thing right here. (laughs) The storm, the storm stripped them of everything they had. When you are ready to give up and all hope is lost, how do you handle it? What comes out of you? In the middle of that. You know what comes out of me? I get really quiet usually. I get really quiet and I isolate. And then after a while, anger starts coming out. What I've learned uh, for me is, uh, well, well, just in human life, we all have things that leak out and things that, that just, some, sometimes our self-discipline uh, leaks out, and we just lose all control, and we've got to do something to medicate and feel better, and we just turn to hedonism and just pleasure, make me feel better in the midst of all this stuff. Sometimes sometimes we overeat or we overdrink just to make ourselves feel better in the middle of the storm. I understand that. Sometimes we, sometimes we just lash out at the people that are closest to us. And we, we can get really mean. Some, sometimes we just say, screw it, I'm out, and we abandon things. We just walk away from them. When everything's hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting and you're getting squeezed, my prayer for you, my prayer for me is that the stuff that comes out is more close to God's heart than just the toxicity that I know I'm so easily attracted to. 
See, the storm stripped them of everything. But God, God used this moment in all of those people's lives to bring into focus the gospel of Jesus. Remember, the gospel of Jesus is the main character in the book of Acts. Everybody else, Paul, Peter, the church, Caesar, Festus, Felix, Agabus, all these people, Philip, James, Priscilla, Aquila, all these other people are supporting characters to the gospel. These people on the boat experiencing the storm, they were stripped of the ship. The ship was breaking up. Their jobs, because it wasn't just a transport ship, this was, uh, for people, this was transporting goods for the economy as well. See, if you made a decision, it's not like today, if you just decide that you're going to fly somewhere, there's a, there, there, there's a vessel full of people. No, that thing would be packed down with goods for economy, animals, uh, laborers, pe- people, go- people not just going to Rome for sightseeing, but prisoners being transported. You'd be on the same vessel. Like everything is being stripped away from these people. And this mad dash to Rome. And everything that they lost turned into a chance to discover the gospel of Jesus, the good news. If you're going through a storm, let me, cons- let, let, let me encourage you with this. Everything we consider a loss can be a chance to discover God at the center. Everything we consider a loss, it can be a chance to discover God at the center. To realize the preciousness of life itself, of love unencumbered by lust or pride or greed. Think about that for a minute. Love unencumbered by lust or pride or greed. That, that's who God is. So right now, are, are you in the middle of a shipwreck? I've heard it said, you're either coming out of a hard time, you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're going into a hard time. And some of you right now, whoo, I get it. It's like, it's like your whole identity is wrapped up in the hard time. And there's so much more to you than that. There's so much more to you than the hard time that you're walking through. But I get it. The waves are real. The storm is real. The suffering is real. The grief is real. Let me ask you another question. What do you think separates average people from amazing people? What do I mean by that? Well, what do you think separates people who are fulfilled in life and people who are constantly empty in life? What, What separates people who can walk through and be in storms like Paul and have confidence and hope, and when they're squeezed, what leaks out of them is, yeah, we're concerned about this, but we've got our hope in God and we're going to be fine, versus the people who are just grieving and completely lost all hope. The depression, the anxiety, the stuff we really deal with. What separate? Is, it, can't, it can't be that Paul just ignored everything and acted like it was better. Or acted like, you know, he just denied all the problems around him. It can't be that. Because if it's that, I'm out of scripture reading altogether. It can't just be mind over matter. It can't just be word faith kind of stuff where we blindly say things regardless of what's actually happening. It can't be that. So what is it? Let me tell you what it's not. Paul was very intelligent, but in this, in this, 
in this story, it's not Paul's intelligence that causes the Spirit of God to leak out of him rather than fear. In this moment, it wasn't, it wasn't anybody's looks. It wasn't their talent or education. It's not what they know or who they know. The difference is their perseverance. It's their perseverance. It's their willingness to stick to it, to have the grit to finish the race, their drive to persevere, their refusal to quit. That's what it is. If you study high-caliber athletes, high-caliber leaders, if you study the pathway, there is no such thing as a one-hit wonder, really. Most people did the same thing over and over until finally something broke through. That's how it works. Even, even for Millie Vanilli, who was exposed in the late... It, nobody? Okay, just me. <laughs> God help you. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a writer uh, consultant by the name of Angela Duckworth. She, she wrote a book called Grit. There's, there's the book. It's coming up on the screen. She wrote a book called Grit. She did some really groundbreaking research, and she studied why really, really successful people thrive. Now, this isn't scripture. This is just really, you know, kind of like life stuff and with a little bit of business put in. But she looked at people who were business leaders, people who were leaders in the military, Teachers who were in very difficult situations. One of, one of her test subjects was a teacher in a very urban context that had no experience in the inner city. She looked at people, fifth graders who could spell the hardest words in the entire world. She looked at world-class athletes and she asked the question, what are the qualities that separate these successful people from other successful people? And the number one top quality she identified is what she calls grit. Say grit. Now, it's not the stuff that you get at the breakfast places here in town. Just, it's not that. Eating a bunch of grits is just going to sit on your belly really hard, and it's going to be painful later. Don't, don't know. Grit is the strength of character that refuses to quit. I look around this congregation, and I see people with grit. People who we thought were dead and they're sitting here today. I look across this church and I see people who stick with it and just continue showing. That, that's the quality that Angela Duckworth is talking about. The difference isn't what you know or even who you know. It's your willingness to stay in the fight. The strength of character that refuses to quit. I love what she says in, in one of her chapters. She says, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. And we all know this story, don't we? We all know somebody, nobody here of course, but we all know somebody who had a great idea. And that excitement and that passion was there in the beginning. And the enthusiasm was there. But when it came to actually building out a strategy and a plan and showing up every day and doing the hard work, we've seen the crash and burns, haven't we? Some of us have experienced it. We've also seen the people who had the great idea and 20 years later, they're still showing up for it. Paul had not come to completion in his journey. He had not come to completion in his life. His, the prophecy over him, the thing that Christ said to him was, I'm going to send you, you are going to go to Rome. He's not done. 
He had faith and confidence in that moment. What leaked out of him was not fear, but it was assurance and God is who he said he was. No, he told me I'm going to Rome. His journey with the gospel was not done. And you know what? If you're still here, you're not done with your journey either. I know you get discouraged, but don't give up. Remember what Paul said back in Acts chapter 20. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul hadn't finished the race. He hadn't finished enduring. And what kept him going? It's this little phrase in this verse. I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's what kept him going. And it it feels a little off-putting at first, but what does that little phrase tell us? That little phrase tell us that he wasn't running his life for himself. He was running his life for God. Faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Will you say that with me? Faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. And Paul's faith and the 275 shipmates that were with him, their faith was being tested. And what was being squeezed out was showing what they could be trusted to do. Here's here's what we learned. We learned that Paul and eventually these 275 other shipmates, they had faith that obeyed God. Throughout the entire ordeal of Paul's arrests, the prophecies, and everything, the stuff of being in custody, of having his life threatened, of of being held in jails, he moved forward. When he couldn't preach the gospel, he wrote the gospel and sent it on to churches. And now he's on this trip to Rome. And how does this work for you? How does it work for you when it comes to a faith that can be trusted with obedience? Like what's going on in you? I promise you, if you are committed to serving God, you will be given so many opportunities to disobey. You will be given so many opportunities to compromise or to just give up. And if you live your life just for you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you are living your life with you at the center of it, I got to tell you, you have not yet put Jesus at the center and you're going to keep bumping up against this anxiety thing. It's going to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. And I'm going to tell you, if Jesus doesn't get at the center of that Christian life, that person's going to quit. Because God won't, God's voice won't be a voice that matters very much to that person. That's why obedience is so critical. It's literally saying to God, your voice is more important than my voice. Look what Paul said to the Philippian church. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God won't ever give up on you. He will never give up on you. And I pray for you a faith that will obey God no matter what. What does that look like? Well, I, I I don't mean to be petty, but 
Sometimes that just looks like keeping our mouths shut when we'd really like to share our opinion in condescending ways to other people. Anybody deal with that besides me? Me and John. Thanks, John. Oh, and another hand back here. Oh, another hand right here. And she's pointing to her husband. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes obeying God looks like putting the priorities of God in our finances over the priorities of what I think the house needs next. Sometimes it looks like changing the way I walk through life with it centered around me. Paul showed us a faith that obeys God. He also showed us a faith that believes in spite of what it sees. There's these parts of chapter 27 where the Spirit of God says this to Paul. It says, last night, God's angel stood at my side. This is Paul talking. The angel of this God I serve. And he's sharing this with all the, 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 the sailors and the people on board. Last night, God's angel stood at my side. An angel of this God I serve saying to me, don't give up, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar yet. And everybody selling with you is also going to make it. So dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me. But we're going to shipwreck. We're going to shipwreck on some other island. So much faith. In the middle of two weeks, no sun, no stars, just storms. Paul is standing up saying, hey, God's angel told me we're going to be good. We're going to shipwreck, but we're going to make it. So much faith, regardless of the swirling wind and rain and lightning and thunder and absence of sun and stars. What I love about this is how he acknowledges trouble's still happening, but we're, we're going to make it. We're going to be shipwrecked, but every single person will make it. 14 days in the storm, 275 people who are depressed and hopeless and done. And Paul stands up and encourages them. And it, then, then, if you keep reading, he makes them eat a big meal. Because they have been so depressed, they've been so worried. He, he stops and said, let's feast. In the middle of the storm. It sounds kind of like Psalm 23 to me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He said, let's eat. Let's have a big old, big old feast. How's that kind of faith working in your life? That no matter what I see, my faith says that God is willing and able. When I see a bad medical report, my God is willing and able to heal. When you see a broken relationship, or maybe you're in the middle of a broken relationship, you have a faith that says, you know what? God is willing and able to restore. When you see a dangerously low bank account, you say, my God is willing and able to provide. It, it doesn't mean that the storm is not swirling and that situations will dictate changes in your life. It doesn't mean even for Paul that he won't eventually die because he eventually is killed in Rome. But he is not the main character of the story. The gospel of Jesus is the main character in his story. The gospel of Jesus is the main character in your story. My faith believes in spite of what he sees. But Nate, what if God doesn't do what I'm believing for him to do? What if, I, what if I'm believing God for something and it just never happens? It just keeps on raining. Well, Paul says he's not living for himself. He's not living for his outcomes Paul is showing us a faith that trusts God with the outcome. 
eventually, I said, Paul was executed. His life really wasn't his own. He had the gospel at the center of his story with such intensity that he was faithful and full of perseverance until the end. Eventually, Paul does get to Rome. He stands trial, and he, he, he's, he spends another two years in Rome. But death isn't death when you know the end of the story. I say this in every funeral for every uh, church member, believer, that, that, that I have the, the privilege of preaching their funeral. Death is not death for a follower of Jesus. Death is not the end. Paul says in Thessalonians, we grieve, but we don't grieve as people who have lost hope. Does it stink? Yes. Death stinks. Does it hurt? Yes. Pain hurts. But we don't grieve as if we've lost hope. We have faith that obeys. We have faith that refuses to give in regardless of what it sees. And we have faith that trusts God with the outcome. Will there be tears? Yes. Will there be pain? Yes. Will there be storms? Yes. But remember, God reveals his power in many places, but you'll know his presence best in a storm. Those of you that are in the middle of the storm right now, you are at the most prime place to know the presence of God because he is with you. His word says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And this one is certainly the most difficult out of the little things that I've talked about with faith, like faith that obeys, okay, faith that, that continues and perseveres regardless of what it sees, okay. But this one, Faith that trusts God with the outcome. It's literally a pre-death. Death to self and life in Christ. It's saying that my final death as a human being on this earth, when they have my funeral, that's, that's not the first death. My first death is laying down my life to Jesus Christ. And it's a bold statement. It's an, it's, it's an intense statement. It's, it's a statement that only crazy people who are following somebody make. It sounds cultish and it sounds unreasonable and it sounds like I'm not in control anymore. And that's exactly what it is. Say, God, you're in control. I trust you with the outcome. I obey you because I think your words and your plan is better than anything I bring to the table. In spite of everything else that's going on with the storms and the swirling wind and the rain and, the, and all, all of the bad days, I'm holding out hope and I'm really believing that you make all things new, that you bring death to life, that you bring beauty from destruction. And I'm going to trust you with that outcome. I'm going to live my life like that's real. That's what Paul did. Time after time after time. I want to say some prayers over you, and I want, to, I want to pray for God's Spirit in you, through you, in spite of you. <laughs> I want to pray in you, this faith that's been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Would you stand with me? Some of y'all are in the middle of a storm right now, and you need God's intervention. You need, you need life spoken over you. You need scripture prayed over you. 
you need, you need encouragement that only God can give. If that's you, you say, Nate, I'm in the middle of a storm. Pray for me. Come on. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. And I feel like my life's being defined by the storm. Like whenever people see me, they just see my storm. Yeah. Let me tell you something, those of you with your hands raised. Your life is not your storm. God takes storms and he brings rescue and he brings purpose in the bad days and in the storms. And I want to speak life over you. That he who began a good work in you is faithful and just to complete that work. I want to encourage you with obedience to God. I want to encourage you to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to faith in the Holy Spirit and the activity of God on this earth. That you serve a God who makes dead things live. I want to encourage you to give him the outcome. So in the name of Jesus, I pray over my friends. I pray your word. I pray your hope. I pray your magnificent endurance. I pray the grit of Paul in you. You will stick at it and you will stick to it and you won't give up. You will persevere. You will have hope. Because this does not depend on you. It depends on the God who loves you. And even when the ship breaks up, even when Paul goes to Rome and is executed, the purposes of God outlast the storm. And the people who love you, the people that are around you, the people that you hold so dear, God is going to take care of those people. God is going to take care of the life and the family, and and he he is going to hold close anyone who runs to him. Because we can't outpace God. There's nowhere we can go where he isn't already. There's nowhere we can hide from him. His eyes see us and his mercy and grace are always with us. And for those of you in the middle of the storm right now, in the words of Jesus, I speak peace to be still. Peace in your heart. Peace over your worries. Peace over your anxieties. I pray the peace of God. And not only the peace of God, but the peace of the Holy Spirit, this fruit that Scripture says, the peace of God's Holy Spirit is is an outcome that God has for Spirit-filled people. It is the evidence, it is the fruit of God's Spirit. So Spirit of God, grow that peace. More and more and more, I pray.